0: chapter three of finding a way out an autobiography by robert r moton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three through reconstruction the following spring i joined a party of young men and secured work in surrey county in a lumber camp near the james river My hope was to save sufficient money to pay my way through school. I had talked very frankly with my friends regarding schools and had about decided that I would enter the school at Petersburg. I worked in this camp about two years and succeeded in making my way up successively from piling lumber through the grade of an experienced tree-chopper, which meant that I had a pretty thorough knowledge. Of the quality of lumber in a tree before it was cut down knowing by certain definite signs evident to a lumberman whether a tree was sound or decayed to the post a foreman of a squad having in charge the sorting and grading of lumber one is apt to think of seventy-five or more lumbermen as a rough lawless and undesirable group fitted only for the heavy work connected with lumbering As a matter of fact, there were a few rough men who in every sense lived up to that reputation, but in the Ferguson camp there was a large number of honest, hard-working, thrifty men who came mostly from Prince Edward, Amelia and Dinwiddie counties in Virginia. Many of them were ambitious for schooling, some few had had some experience in politics and therefore kept posted on what was going on in Virginia. The Readjuster Movement had just been introduced this had caused the fusion of many republicans and democrats into what was known as the readjuster party we had little or nothing to do with the people native to surrey county the truth of the matter was they didn't permit us to because of our reputation a few of us went to sunday school and attended church services at cypress baptist church five miles away and got somewhat into the social life of the colored community beyond this a number of the men in order to spend their leisure time profitably organized a debating club holding at intervals a mock court or a mock assembly copying as nearly as we could the virginia legislature almost every night in the week there was something going on in connection with some one of these organizations i remember one man from Dinwiddie county george edwards who had for many years served as magistrate in his precinct. He was reasonably well-educated and had been a school teacher. He was well-versed in politics and everything else that had to do with public affairs in Virginia. He it was who guided us for the most part in these activities. There were others almost as well-trained. I think I've never had any experience I enjoyed any more than the winter nights in that camp and I got from this experience a certain sort of training that I have since in many ways found very useful. I got also a taste for politics and other civic affairs that might have changed my career, but for certain conscientious scruples of my mother's. I recall also how shocked we were at the tidings that President Garfield had been shot. When we later learned of his death, we thought it proper to suspend all public activities in the camp for a week, as a mark of respect to the president evening meetings especially on saturdays brought out sometimes large numbers of local people white and colored and the manager of the camp became so well pleased with the effect that he gave us saturday afternoon once a month and invited many people from surrounding communities as well as from other sawmills and there were many sawmills in the neighborhood to witness these monthly public exercises during the two years that i spent in that camp in surrey county i saved comparatively little money but i got something from the work itself and the intimate contact with this group of men the debating societies the glee club the prayer meetings and other activities which has had a very strong influence upon my later life an attack of malaria fever made it necessary for me to leave this marshy section on the james river At the doctor's suggestion, I returned to my home in Prince Edward County. My return home was in the late summer of 1882, and I found the political atmosphere very thick and heavy. I was asked frequently to speak at political mass meetings, and I pitched in with vigor, taking up the cudgels for the readjuster movement, about which, however, I knew little. This was a movement on the part of the Fusion Party for the readjustment of the state debt all negroes had a vote in those days negro democrats were very few only about a half dozen or so being found in a county i remember the impression created on the mass of colored people and white people too for that matter when i appeared at a picnic in the vaughan woods and made a surprisingly effective political speech i knew little about the subject and was as much surprised as anyone at the impression made and the enthusiasm over my speech displayed by the large number of people present. But the impression was so strong that when the meeting was over, I was taken aside by three or four white men, and as many colored, who decided then and there that I should have the nomination of the lower house of the state legislature from my district. They decided what the ticket should be, that there should be certain white men, and myself as the one colored man. I was especially urged to this step by Walker blanton a shrewd keen colored man who did not know one letter of the alphabet from the other but who was nevertheless the political leader of the district among the colored people and withal a very useful citizen i was inclined to accept the proposition but there were one or two strong obstacles in the way one was that i had planned to go to school but the really serious one was that i was not yet twenty-one years of age The white people in the group said that they could arrange the age situation that nobody could prove exactly when i was born and that i was large and mature in appearance so that question would hardly arise in any case and one gentleman in the group said that he knew my mother and father and the whole family connection and moreover had the family bible record of all of them so that he could easily adjust them in a way that would stand any test the colored men were equally zealous making their plea on the ground that i had more education than any colored man in the precinct which was enough that i could at least read and write and figure and that was not true in virginia of all the legislators even the temptation was very great i had just about decided to accept everything was to be arranged by the leaders of the readjuster party in the county the only thing then left would be the formal notification a few weeks afterward but my mother when approached said that she could not raise my age and would be unwilling to swear to anything but the truth that she knew exactly the day and year and hour of my birth my father was non-committal he felt that my mother was too conscientious and that there were lots of probabilities of her being mistaken and too that she would be perfectly safe in saying she was not absolutely sure and leaving it to the white people to settle the rest but my mother stood firm so the committee finding that they could not get her to agree to sign the affidavit concluded that the matter was at an end another colored man was nominated and later elected i confess i was somewhat relieved and not very sorry that my mother had taken such a firm stand to be sure there was some disappointment but i am confident that i slept better as a result of my mother's decision about this time a young man by the name of edward d stewart a graduate of hampton institute came to teach in the school in our district which i had attended at intervals for some years i was able to get from him first-hand information about hampton he gave me facts regarding the inner working of the school how a student could enter the kind of work he would do the studies he would have and something of what the men accomplished after graduating he felt sure that i would have no difficulty in entering and in completing the course of studies he thought my greatest difficulty would be in overcoming the popularity which i had achieved in my home community he suggested that i would have to put all that behind me and assume that i did not know so much as i thought i did or as others in my community thought i did he feared it would be difficult for me to adapt myself to the discipline of the school at hampton i was at this time leader of the church choir superintendent of the sunday school and might have been a deacon but was considered too young for that particular place in some ways i was considered a very important man in what was then a rather backward community i wrote to general armstrong the principal of hampton my letter being endorsed by mr stewart general armstrong gave me an immediate reply in his own handwriting saying that i might come to hampton and work in the knitting-room mr stewart advised that i had better wait until i could get work on the farm at shell banks or at the sawmill. He knew something of my knowledge of lumber and experience in farming, stock-raising, and similar lines. He advised against my learning to knit mittens or working in the house under any circumstances. He had the feeling that knitting-room boys at Hampton did not succeed very well, for some fell into bad ways, a good many were disciplined severely, and a few suspended. So at his suggestion I wrote asking that I might have a place either on the farm or at the saw-mill which work i considered was better adapted to my size and strength not long afterward i received a letter to the effect that i might come and that they would find satisfactory work for a boy who showed such good sense in his choice of occupation i took my departure on sunday morning from the cabin where we were then living the night before i was given a party it would be called a reception now to be sure It was in a log cabin, and there were a great many people present. The young folk indulged in games of various kinds, but the older ones, the church members especially, took the whole matter more seriously. I recall that just before we parted there were many speeches. They were all crude as I think of it now, yet I have seldom witnessed a more sincere and touching farewell reception. Our old pastor, Armstead Berkeley, who was perhaps seventy-six years of age, officiated as a master of ceremonies he had a wonderfully fine voice strong and melodious he was a great singer and had all the qualities necessary to make him a fervid emotional speaker i have known him at revival meetings to offer prayer and again and again i have seen educated white people present who could scarcely control their features for the tears which ran down their cheeks he made the final speech and closed the affair with a very earnest and touching prayer and while there had been much levity among the young folk the early part of the night he left them all in a very serious mood i could not respond when called upon but the impression of the sincere affection and goodwill of those simple earnest people with whom i had lived from childhood has always remained with me my old chum lee brown and a few friends took my little trunk on a mule cart next morning and we drove about five miles to rice's depot where i took the train for norfolk virginia Here I transferred to the Baltimore steamer, which ordinarily touched at Old Point, about seven o'clock at night. It so happened that because of a very severe storm, the captain of the steamer decided that he would not touch at Old Point, so I was carried on with many other passengers to Baltimore. This was entirely against my wishes, and naturally I was much annoyed. The ship's crew were very kind to all of us and gave us our meals and made no additional charge for the extra trip. This being my first experience on a steamboat, I suffered the discomforts that are common to the average passenger sailing on a stormy night. I spent the most interesting day in Baltimore strolling around, but did not get very far from the wharf. End of chapter 3